Heavenly Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for life in, in you, life in the Son. He who has the Son has life. He who has the Son knows the joy and the victory of overcoming sin. And we thank you today. We are crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live. We don't live, but Christ lives in us. Praise the Lord. We thank you for that. Lord, it is good for us to be together. We thank you for the sweet spirit that we sense and know in this place. And we thank you for the Holy Spirit of God working as we honor and glorify the Lord Jesus Christ and praise his name. The Holy Spirit of God does his work. So we ask now, Lord, in these next moments, as we come to look at your word, that you might help us to be confronted with the truths of the finished work of Jesus Christ so that we might have life and hope and joy. We thank you for sending your son. We thank you for your work for us who are sinners who would not be saved without your grace and mercy. And we thank you for it. Now, Lord, we pray that you might help us and remove distraction from our minds. We present ourselves now before you. We ask that you'd forgive us of our sins so that we might receive the word of God as we need to as we might be doers and hearers of your word. We pray for those who might be among us who do not know the Lord Jesus Christ who are not saved. We pray that the Holy Spirit of God would do a deep work in their life, that they would be concerned and convicted, and that they might see their desperate need for salvation and eternal life rather than facing eternal death. So Lord, bless your word now and our time in it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. God bless you. Good to see all of you this morning. Welcome to First Baptist Church and to all of our dear friends who <clears throat> continue to join us these days. We miss you. We pray the Lord's blessings on you as you are wherever you are. We pray that you get to be stronger, feeling better. And uh, when you can, we are praying for you to be back with us. There are a good number of us in this service today. And may the Lord bless you for being with us. Acts, excuse me, Hebrews chapter 8 is where I'd like for you to turn this morning. Hebrews chapter 8 is where we'll be looking. We've been considering these days together the finished work of Jesus Christ on the cross. What does it mean? What does it mean that Jesus, as we read in the gospel, especially we have looked at John chapter 19, when the Lord Jesus was hanging on the cross in the last moments of his life, Scripture says to us that he tasted, he tasted the bitter vinegar and he bowed his head. He said, it is finished. And he bowed his head and gave up his spirit. He said, it is finished. The Lord Jesus' final earthly statement was, it is finished. And in that statement, we are spending our time together because I believe this is very important for all of us who are saved that you know what it means that Jesus Christ has died for your sins and that others who might be here among us who are not truly saved, you might be a religious person, you might discover today what it means for Jesus to have died on the cross. This is the gospel. Jesus Christ died for our sins according to the scripture. He was buried and on the third day he rose again according to the scripture. This is the gospel. This is the good news. 
So we continue to look at these words together. Boys and girls, I'm always glad you're here. I hope that you brought your Bible and you'll follow along with us today as we read God's Word. So let's stand together and let's read the Word of God together. Hebrews chapter number 8. We'll read verse number 1 and then we'll read from verse 6 through 12. So we hear the Word of the Lord now. Now, the main point in what has been said is this. We, that is Christians, followers of Jesus, have such a high priest who has taken his seat in the right, at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister in the sanctuary and in the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched, not man. Verse 6, which is our primary focus today. But now, he, that is the Lord Jesus Christ, has obtained a more excellent ministry by as much as he is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. For if the first covenant, which had been, if it had been faultless, there would have not been an occasion for a second. For finding fault with them, he says, behold, that is God says, Behold, days are coming, says the Lord, when I will effect a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah, not like the covenant which I made with their fathers on the day when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt, for they did not continue in my covenant. And I did not care for them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws into their minds, and I will write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me." from the least to the greatest of them. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. Heavenly Father, we thank You now for the reading of Your Word. We thank You for the truth of Your Word and the great and wonderful promises that we read today that You have given to us, O God, of a new arrangement and a new agreement, a new relationship that sinners can have with you, a holy God. May the Holy Spirit bless the reading of the Word and be our teacher today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. So as we continue, we think about what does it mean for Jesus Christ to have died on the cross? Well, our focus today is this, that the death of Jesus Christ on the cross provides a new kind of relationship with God. So there's a comparison going on here in this section of the book of Hebrews, between an old covenant, the word covenant means arrangement, or an agreement, or relationship. It's agreement based on promises. There was an old covenant under the law given to Moses. And we'll talk more about that in just a moment. And now there is a new covenant given to those who are saved in Jesus Christ. And we accept the, we accept the new covenant and experience the blessings of the new covenant based on the promises of God. So I begin this morning by asking you this question. How would you describe 
your current relationship with God. No, I'm not asking you what, what it's like to be around your mother, father, or your friends. Uh, and and you, you really appreciate and see how God is working in their life, how they love God. Well, what about your relationship with God? Do you love God? Do you have a deep, growing relationship with God? As you woke up this morning, as wonderful as all of your family relationships are, as good as they all may be, and how warm they are for you, and how they warm your heart and you're pleased by them, what about your relationship to God? What kind of relationship do all of you have, and all of you listening, with God? Well, that's what these verses are all about. In fact, in verse number 6, there are three portions to this verse. In just a moment, we'll look at them. But my question now is, what kind of relationship do you have with God? And perhaps I should say this to you. As a Christian, you see, we live, we live after thousands of years of gospel preaching and the work of the church. But when these words were originally written to these Jewish Christians, they were living in a time while the, while the sacrifices at the temple were still going. As I've said many times, the smoke was rising from the burning of the sacrifices and the blood was flowing. They were living and their forefathers and generations upon generations of Jewish people had lived under this old agreement of God, this old arrangement. So these words were shocking because now there's a declaration made that because something has happened to change how God will have a relationship with sinners. And the answer is through the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. A dramatic difference took place. So now we live in a time where we forget how wonderful and glorious it is that I can personally... Listen, I don't have to go through a priest. I don't have to go to a high priest on the earth. I don't have to find some pastor or minister who speaks to God for me. Oh no, when I'm born again, when I come to know Jesus Christ, I can speak with God Friend as friend, I can speak with him and share all of my burdens. What a blessing to be able to pray in the name of Jesus. What a blessing to be able to open the word of God as my own self. Not just with the help of teachers and all the rest, as good as that is. But being a saved person, I can open the word of God. And the Holy Spirit of God takes the words of God and helps me understand them. I pray. I have the joy of reading God's Word. And I have the wonderful blessing of assurance that I belong to God and that He cares for me and that He loves me. I have a new relationship with Him. We forget all of those things I've just described come as a result of a new arrangement that God has made with sinners who will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. That is a dramatic difference. Sadly, there are some who live in the world and they try to blend these two agreements. You cannot. We learn from the Word of God that the old agreement, the old covenant, is passed away. It's obsolete. It cannot make your conscience clean from sin. But the blood of Jesus Christ can cleanse your mind and save you and make you a new person. You see, some would say, well, I'll try to work and please God. Some of you may be in this room today and you still believe that if you do the right things and you're nice to people, 
that somehow that will be enough for you to go to heaven when you die. I, I've stood in this very place conducting one of the many funerals that I've conducted in these, this past year, talking to a dear person who their loved one had died. And this person said to me, well, you know, pastor, I'm just, you know, we were talking about uh, this one who died and this person loved the Lord Jesus had a walk with God and had experienced these things I'm going to talk about, about this new arrangement, new relationship with God. And this person said, well, you know, I'm just hoping that I can do enough good things that it'll outweigh all the old things right here in this building. I hope that I can do enough good things to outweigh all the old things I did so that somehow God will let me into heaven. You, you cannot. And I said to this dear person, look, the only way you can go to heaven is to confess your sin and believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and His death for you so that you might have life. I love you enough. I want you to know that is how you have salvation. You don't work and earn it. But there are so many, even in this religious world in which we live here in this part of the United States, who believe that if they just work well enough, some of you listening to me, if I just work enough, if I just do some good things, God's going to let me into heaven. No, there's a new covenant. Now there's a new arrangement between God and sinful people in this generation, in this time. So what do we learn about it? Well, there are three observations that we see in verse number 6. It's all about something better than what used to be. Notice in verse number 6, first we have this statement about the Lord Jesus. Now He, He, who is He? It's the Lord Jesus Christ. Now the Lord Jesus Christ has obtained a more excellent ministry. How did He do that? By dying on the cross, being raised from the dead, and ascending to heaven. Boys and girls, adults here today, the Lord Jesus Christ is very much alive today, carrying out His heavenly ministry, which is so glorious and grand, and it affects every single believer who I'm speaking to today. The glory of the heavenly ministry of the Lord Jesus ought to be meditated on, thought about, and we ought to go to the throne of grace and approach our Lord and Savior who is our King and High Priest. Hallelujah. But you see, there's a second phrase. Now, as our high priest in heaven, carrying out his new ministry, there is, he has, he is now a mediator of a new, better arrangement, covenant, relationship between holy God and sinful people. And third, this better covenant has been enacted. Enacted. It takes place. It comes about. As a result of the promises of God. So I have three observations. First, when the now, and notice this is the phrase we begin with in verse 6, but now. You see, there was an old time when it was all under the law, under the Mosaic law, doing what the old law required. But now there's a new time because of Jesus' death on the cross, His resurrection and ascension. Now, because the good news of Jesus' life and death and His resurrection ascension have taken place. Now Jesus Christ is in heaven with an excellent ministry for believing sinners with God. Number two, now, now, today, this very day, in the midst of pestilence, trouble, pain, hatred, cynicism, anger, bitterness, sickness, and death. Now, in this day, now, in this day of trouble and pain, Jesus Christ is in heaven with an excellent ministry for believing sinners. And now this very day, Jesus Christ is the mediator of a better relationship between God and sinners. And now this very day, 
We stand on the promises of God. God has promised a better relationship with Him based on better promises and upon the finished work of Jesus dying on the cross. This becomes so very important for you to understand as a believer. So we begin, first of all, with the current ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven. Notice in verse number 1 of chapter 8. Now, the main point in what has been said is this. We have a high priest, we, followers of Jesus. We have a high priest who has taken his seat at the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven. Now the Lord Jesus carries out His heavenly ministry as real, as real as any earthly ministry of any high priest who carried out under the old law. The Lord Jesus now is carrying out His eternal ministry seated as King Priest forever. It's an eternal ministry. Look back in chapter 7, verse number 24. But Jesus, on the other hand, because He continues forever holds His priesthood permanently. There will never be a time. There will never be a time in all of eternity and the eternities of eternities when the Lord Jesus Christ will not hold, will not stand and continue forever and ever and ever to be a priest permanently. That becomes very important because His ministry is heavenly, it is earthly, but it is a saving ministry. Look at verse 25 of Hebrews chapter 7. Therefore, He is able, because His ministry is permanent, verse number 24, He is able to save forever those who draw near to God through Him, since He always lives, to make intercession for them. Oh, be amazed by this Wonderful truth by Christian friend. You will be saved forever because Jesus lives forever as your high priest. Not based on what you do. Well, I got saved and now I do good things. How dare you stand to declare that anything you would do would take the place or earn you a right to favor with God. No, you see, first of all, we see this wonderful truth that the Lord Jesus' continuing ministry is an eternal ministry of intercession. And because of His intercession and because of His work as our high priest and because He's presented Himself as the final sacrifice for sin through His blood and entered into that holy place in heaven, He now saves forever those who draw near to Him. That puts an end to the idea, well, I'll be saved and then lost again. No, your salvation is tied to your great high priest who lives forever. Secondly, now Jesus Christ is the mediator along with His work of, of heavenly intercession and looking out for us and representing us before God. He is also the mediator. What does that word mean? Mediator simply means someone who stands between two parties and brings them together. Sometimes, sometimes in a marriage, things will be hard. And, and in a marriage, they need, and people need, uh, men and women need a, a counselor, a mediator, someone to help them come together and learn how to, how to put together their covenant marriage and their agreement 
to, to bring things together. See, we read here that the Lord Jesus now in heaven, by as much as He is also the mediator of a better covenant. He mediates between holy God because He was fully God, and He mediates be between holy God and sinful man because He was one of us, though without sin. He is our mediator. He is the one who makes, as I've sometimes used the word, and many others in sharing the gospel, He's the bridge to a relationship with God. Here's holy God on this side. Here's sinful man. And there's a separation because of our sin. But the Lord Jesus Christ fills the gap. He is the one who comes. He becomes our mediator between God and men. 1 Timothy 2 says this. For there is one God, one mediator. Also between God and men. Between God and men. The man, Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all. Hebrews 9.15. He is the mediator of a new covenant. A new agreement. He is, in Hebrews 7.22, Jesus Christ is the guarantee of a better covenant. What am I saying to you today? I'm saying that now in these days, as a result of Jesus Christ dying on the cross, God has made a new arrangement, a new agreement with all people who will believe and trust in Him. The only way you can come to have a relationship with God today, in these days, after the cross of Jesus, as a result of His death, is to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and be saved. There are no other ways to heaven, but through the Lord Jesus Christ, He alone saves. He is the way, the truth, and the life. No religious activities, no religions can carry you to God. This old arrangement, this old covenant. I'm spending time here today with this because we live in a world, uh, even here in a religious world of work salvation. There is no blending of these two. Work salvation is all of the old law. You're saved by obeying the law. That's the way it worked. That was the arrangement. And that was the arrangement that was made. In fact, God comments on how poor that was because the people of Israel never could follow and obey the law of God. In fact, we remember the Lord delivered them from Egypt and then they disobeyed God, disobeyed God, would not trust God, would not believe God. And so He allowed a generation to die in the wilderness. And they never entered the promised land, including the disobedience of Moses, their leader. So this mediator, the Lord Jesus Christ, has now come with a better arrangement with God. Because the old one was based on law and obedience, it was based on continual sacrifices. It was based on bringing your animals, going through the washings, doing all the ceremonies. Why, there are some today who still preach and talk about doing ceremonial things to be saved. There is no blending of the old agreement with God and the new. No, you must be saved by putting your faith in Jesus Christ alone. There is no other way to salvation. You don't get the Lord Jesus plus something else. If someone preaches to you Jesus Christ plus something else saves you, they're preaching a lie. The Word of God tells us that the Lord Jesus is a mediator of a better relationship with God. I'm standing here declaring to you that for every sinner in the world today, there is a better way to God than the old way of God. 
that came under the law. So what do we see in this? Well, I want to pause now. And I want to read again these promises that the Lord makes about a new, a new covenant. These promises are the actual commitment of God in the new covenant and what He will do for those who will receive it. Now I want you to think about it. I was talking with a friend of mine, uh, two, a couple of my friends, and I, not long ago, did their wedding. They're friends of our family and they, they've been married now for two years. Well, the man, he's pretty well satisfied that everything's great. Everything's good after two years. He's, everything's great. Everything's good, Mike. Everything's good. Everything's wonderful. Well, his wife doesn't quite agree with that. She thinks there's some things they should work on. You see, marriage is a covenant agreement you make. You stand before the preacher. You stand in front of God. You stand before the people and you say, I do and I will. I do and I will. You see, agreements are based on promises. They're based on one making this set of promises and this will happen and the other accepting those conditions and saying, I will live by them. We now have a new covenant. The word covenant means arrangement. It's a new arrangement with God, my dear friends. I want to press this home today so that you understand. This covenant is a new order of things. It is a new arrangement between God and sinners. So what do we see in these promises? Just take your eyes now and follow back through. Look at the I wills of verses 10 and 11 and 12. Here's what God promises in the new arrangement He will make with sinful man. I will put my laws into their minds. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. And they shall not teach everyone his fellow citizen and everyone his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all will know me, from the least to the greatest. For I will be merciful to their iniquities, and I will remember their sins no more. So what do we learn here from these great promises that God has given about a new arrangement with Him? Number one, He says, it is a covenant that changes the way you think. So when you come to know Jesus Christ, your way of thinking is dramatically changed. You see, when I'm a lost sinner, I wake up in the morning and it's me, myself, and I. I am the center of the world. And if you don't do things for me that are right, I'm going to be mad at you. I'm going to, I'm going to do everything I can to live in self-satisfaction and sin obsession. That's the way I'm going to live. I'm obsessed with my sins. I have my secret ones and my favorite ones. And I love them. And that's what I fill my mind with. I fill my mind with a preoccupation of how I can satisfy myself. And I fill my mind with what the world does. Because I want to be more like the world. I love everything about it. I desire it. I want more. And my mind is filled with either thinking about myself how to satisfy myself, or to, or to admire the lostness and wickedness of our world. That's what it's like to have a, a, a mind of lostness. But you see, when I come to know Jesus Christ and I believe in Him, all of a sudden my mind stops thinking like that. I have said to this church from the beginning of my ministry, one of the greatest examples of the power of God to change people is what I have seen 
all of my ministry life in people who come to know Jesus Christ. Before they've ever had a discipleship class, before we've ever had time for them to go through any of our processes, to train them in discipleship, before they even know and understand how to read the words of their Bible, all of a sudden when you talk with them after they've prayed and believed on the Lord Jesus Christ and repented, all of a sudden they start saying, I don't think, these are the very words, I don't think I ought to be doing those things anymore. Who told them that? I don't think I ought to be going over to those people's house anymore. I don't think I ought to be looking at that on the internet anymore. I don't think I ought to be tweeting and putting on Facebook those kinds of things anymore. I don't think that I've thought about God enough. All I've been thinking about is myself. Oh, the Word of God promises. Here's the great promise of the new arrangement with God. Are you listening to me this morning? The promise is I will put my laws into their mind. So now there is an ought to that comes to be in my mind. I ought to love my neighbor even when they are unlovable. I ought to tell someone about Jesus Christ. I ought to do good. I ought to worship. I ought to want to read the Word of God. All of a sudden, a new set of laws. The law of God comes to be in my mind, a change of mind, and also a change of desires. Look at it there. I will, put, I will write them on their hearts. We, we sometimes call this spiritual affections. It's wonderful to have affections, physical affections for your, for your husband, your wife, your Mom and dad, your children, your grandkids, oh, that's wonderful affections. But if you come to know Jesus Christ, God promises in the new arrangement, you'll have spiritual affections. Do you have spiritual affections today? Do you desire to know more about God? That's one of these things. They, they will say to their neighbors, know the Lord, but everyone will know the Lord who's under this new arrangement who comes to be saved. They will all have a desire to seek the knowledge of God. Look, I'm, I'm trying to challenge some of you, my Christian friends, who seem to be stuck. You've allowed your sinfulness and your selfishness to move you back to carnality. You don't desire the things of God like you used to. You used to have in your, desire, your, your life a great desire, deep, wonderful desires to know God and to have fellowship with Him and to speak with Him and to worship Him and to be with God's people and to celebrate and have fellowship with one another. You had a desire. You had a desire for God and for His people. You had a new way of thinking, but something's happened. There's a promise here of a deepening personal relationship between God and those who go with this arrangement in believing. Notice it says here that I will be their God. What did the Lord Jesus Christ teach us all to pray as Christians? Something that shocked the Jewish world when the Lord Jesus started saying this, that my Father in heaven. Wait a minute. Your Father in heaven. And what does He say to all of us who are followers of Jesus in this room? Pray like this. Our Father who is in heaven. Do you pray and speak with your heavenly Father? All of us who are saved in this room are now part of a new family that's been brought out of all the tribes and families we belong to. With all of our varying last names, 
Now we have one singular name. We are the people of God. We have been gathered together and we bow and we say, Our Father. Because of a new arrangement with God, you can have a deepening personal walk with God. You can pray. You can approach God in the Word of God. You can hear from it and read it and the Holy Spirit will teach you. You have inside of you the unction as John the Apostle calls it. You have the affirmation that you're a child of God. That I belong to the Lord and He belongs to me. I'm standing de describing to you this better arrangement. That we now have with God if we will believe in the Lord Jesus Christ because of the death of Jesus Christ on the cross. New way of thinking, new desires, new personal relationship, a new desire to know me. And look at this, the final thing in verse 12, a great promise of God's continuing mercy. Look at it. For I will be merciful to their iniquities. And I will remember their sins no more. What? No more going over and over and over to God asking Him by bringing my, my sacrifice and doing the washings to please forgive me of the same thing over and over again and over and over again. You see, as we confess our sin, what did, what did John, what did the Apostle John teach all of us who are Christians here in his letter to Christians? If you confess your sin as a believer. See, this is a promise of the new arrangement with God. If you confess your sins, He is faithful and just to forgive you and cleanse you. Why do you keep coming to God with what He's already forgiven you for? I've talked to many people who are troubled and they say, Oh, this thing in my past. Yes, yes, that sin in your past will carry sometimes lifelong Lifelong consequences. But don't mistake lifelong consequences with cleansing and forgiveness of your sin if you confess it to God. Some of you need to be freed from your torture. Some of you need to lift up your head and hear the great news of the new arrangement with God. I I will write my laws on their minds and on their heart. I will be their God. They will be my people. We want to be with the Lord. When Brother Steve stands to lead us to sing praise, we want to sing. We want to praise. We are singing as God's family. We are singing as the people of God based on a new arrangement we now have with God that He's put away our sins and He has been merciful to us over and over and over again. What a glorious thing it is for us. So what do we do with all this? I'll say these quickly and we'll be gone. First of all, today, the Lord Jesus Christ ministers on behalf of believers before God in heaven. Never forget this. Never forget this. The Lord Jesus Christ is not a distant memory of a famous man who died and sadly is gone. No, the Lord Jesus Christ lives. He has ascended to heaven. He gloriously carries out His ministry and one day will come again to this world and will settle the wrongs that have been here since the beginning. And He will reign on this earth and there will be a new day coming. Today, a new relationship with God comes by Jesus Christ doing and what He does as mediator. And today, the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross guarantees 
your new relationship with God. Nothing you and I can do can change or break the commitment God has to this new covenant. It's been made and been grounded and confirmed and guaranteed on the blood of Jesus Christ. And today, God promises believers the joy of spiritual mindedness. That's how you can lay down and sleep when everybody else is up all night. Spiritual mindedness. The mind set on God, listen to me, is life. And peace. It's peace. It's resting in the Lord. It's thinking about Him. How much of your thoughts do you give to thinking about the Lord Jesus and all He's done for you and having spiritual mindedness and the Word of God? How much does it go through your head? You must ask yourself, this is the promise of the new arrangement. You'll be spiritually minded. Also, I must say, today believers respond to God in trust and obedience. Today, nothing surpasses the love of God as Father for you as believer. We are now the children of God. We are, he is our Father in a, under a new arrangement. And just as He was Father to the Lord Jesus Christ, though in a unique way in some ways, He is our Heavenly Father. Those of us who have been saved, you now say, Father. And knowing God is the mark of a new relationship with God. Look, don't say, I'm saved, if you don't care anything about growing in your knowledge of God. Whatever you may think you have is not a part of the arrangement God has made with those who are saved. Because when you're saved, it's like the old preacher said to me when I heard it years ago. Many of you have heard it. When you get saved, God changes your want to. I want to know God. I want to read the Word of God. I want to pray. I want to live like Jesus would have me live. I want to follow Jesus all the days of my life in endless mercy. Endless mercy. For all the days of your life, my Christian friend. Here's the new arrangement of God. Endless mercy belongs to those who have a new relationship with God. I say hallelujah, praise the Lord, as I try to give glory to the Lord Jesus Christ today. So what do we do with these things as we leave? Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. Give thanks to the Lord Jesus for, the, for His death to produce for us and be the mediator of a new covenant so you can, He's arranged it for you. God's done all the work for stubborn, unwilling sinners. He's done it all. He sent His Son. The Lord Jesus finished His task and died on the cross. God's made these wonderful, glorious promises of a new arrangement based on His death. He's done it all. O oh, sinner, will you believe and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ and come to Him? And if you're saved, rejoice in the promises you now are experiencing in your life. Rejoice in them every day. But now He has obtained a more excellent ministry. By as much as He is also the mediator of a better covenant, which has been enacted on better promises. I quote these old hymns to you because they mean so much. Here's another one. The old hymn says it, and I end with this. Free from the law. Oh, happy condition. Happy condition. I, Jesus has bled and there is remission. Cursed. By the law and bruised by the fall, Christ hath redeemed us once 
for all, once for all, O sinner, receive it. Once for all, O doubter, believe it. Cling to the cross, the burden will fall. Christ has redeemed us once for all. Praise God.